Where are we at on the world stage? What could the consequences be? We're going to talk about that tonight. We have a great, maybe hard to listen to show on I'm Right. With regard to the disappointment, the disappointment relates to the fact that Russia and uh, and uh, and uh, including uh, not only Russia, but China basically didn't show up. China, Joe, China is the name of that country. You, You can't remember. Let's you know what? Take down all the political stuff and China stuff for a moment. Have you ever looked into Pearl Harbor? Have you ever done any reading on Pearl Harbor? documentary or something like that. I'm only using this as just one example. Have you ever read about or watched what happens when a naval ship gets involved in combat with another naval ship and things start going south and the ship starts to go down? And remember, I always do a show you can watch with your kids. This this one's going to be no different, but we're about to have a very frank conversation here. A very frank conversation. And then I'll explain, let me explain why we're about to have this frank conversation. When we look at things like World War II, World War I, we almost look at them now, because we're so far removed from them, we almost look at them as if they're movies. And frankly, they are. I mean, how many World War II movies have you seen out there? They are movies. But we look at them in that way. We're, we're separated from them. We're, we're, they're, they're, we don't understand what they are. But when we assess America and China and the world stage and what our militaries are doing and who's succeeding and who's failing, I do think it's important we understand these weren't movies and these things did happen. Back to the naval vessel. You have a naval vessel that goes down. You understand you have a ship full of men, and now women, even though they shouldn't be on it, but that's another story entirely. You have a naval vessel of men, and you know what, actually, let's bring that up, and women. Because next time this happens, there'll be women on there, young ladies, 18, 19, 20-year-old ladies. And you understand when a naval vessel gets involved in a combat and gets hit with other rounds, missiles, torpedoes, bombs from the air, various things that hit a naval vessel, they cause explosions. They cause explosions, and these explosions cause jagged metal shrapnel to fly all over the ship. There's fire everywhere. There's water coming in. I'm being as nice as I possibly can, but I want you to understand the stakes of the game as we go into Xi Jinping and China and Joe Biden. You understand that when a naval vessel goes down, virtually everybody on board that ship who dies either drowns in the dark or burns to death. You get that? And I want everyone to understand that those are the stakes of the game. Because when we talk about the state of our military and the state of China and our leadership and their leadership, and when we talk about these things, I think it's critical we all understand at a very on-the-ground level what it looks like if we fail. We will undoubtedly be involved in a world conflict again at some point. No, I'm not, I'm not an oracle. I, I don't know the future. I don't know whether that's next week or 100 years from now. I do know history, though, and the history of the world says another one is coming. No question about it. 
And when that day comes, all the things we've done in between when the last one ended and the next one begins will determine how the next one goes. And as of right now, we are going to lose the next one. No question about it. We are going to lose the next one. We're not even interested in getting ready for the next one. We're not. That's what's so wild about the situation we're in. And remember, as we go over everything right here, remember, the Biden administration took over, and the first thing they did was stand down the military to look for white supremacy. That's how far off the game we are. Joe Biden, two years ago, he said he wasn't even worried about China. China is going to eat our lunch? Come on, man. They can't even figure out how to deal with the, 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 the fact that they have this great division between the China Sea and the mountains in the east, I mean in the west. They can't figure out how they're going to deal with the corruption that exists within the system. I mean, I, you know, they're not bad folks, folks, but guess what? They're not a they're, they're not, they're competition for us. Yeah, they are, Joe. Yeah, they are. That's what's so wild. We're so committed now to fighting everything that doesn't even exist. White supremacy in the military in China for all their problems. And he wasn't wrong about a lot of that. A lot of the division they have and corruption and things like that. He wasn't wrong about that. But what's so wild is this. China is 100% interested in getting ready to defeat us militarily. And again, a brief reminder. What defeat means... It's not a movie. It's a naval vessel with 3,000 sailors, men and now women, burning to death or drowning in the deep. That's what it looks like if we're not ready. That's what it looks like. And believe me, we're not ready. You don't have to just take it from me. General John Hyten, he's the vice chairman of the Joint Chiefs, and he's retiring. And you know what that means. You finally get an honest moment out of a general because he's retiring. Well... Here he is. I'm concerned about the pace of uh, how fast we can do things anymore uh, in this business. So I'm unbelievably proud to have been part of this organization for a long time. I still have six weeks to go, and I'll run right through the tape. Uh, but uh, I'm a little concerned about our ability to, to move fast enough to stay up with our competitors. You have to move faster than the threat. It doesn't matter how far you head in a race to put another analogy on the one you used. We're ahead in the race right now, but if somebody's running faster than you in the race, they're eventually gonna pass you. And that's what my fear is. My fear is that we'll allow that to happen with China in particular. That's because China's the only one running the race. Oh, don't get me wrong, we're out there on the track. China's out there on the track right beside us. Yeah, maybe a little behind. And they're at a dead sprint because they're gonna beat us if it kills us. We're on the track in the next lane over, but we're on a nice jog. Oh, look at the stands. Oh, there's pretty birds up there. Oh, look, a quarter. I think I'll stop and pick it up. Completely unfocused and unprepared for what's coming. Oh, and speaking of China, they steal our stuff. Remember all the stuff we left the Taliban? All of our drones, all kinds of advanced technology. 
Yeah, China's going to have their hands on that now because China's currently working with the Taliban to make sure they're the new Taliban partners. So any military technology of ours China didn't already have, well, they're certainly going to have thanks to the Taliban and Joe Biden. And we have a retired CIA officer. Get this, wrap your mind around this. They steal between 300 and $600 billion of intellectual property a year. A year. Now, what, is it, what do I mean when it comes to intellectual property? Well, understand something. I'm going to break this down as basic as, as I can because I only have a basic knowledge of it anyway. <laughs> but still, basic knowledge. Let's say I develop an, a missile. I'm an American company. Jesse Kelly Missile and Missile Company. See, I just came up with that right now on the air. Jesse Kelly Missile Company comes up with a new sweet missile. And we have, I have a bunch of advanced technology in there. No one's ever seen it before. Technically, according to law, and supposed to be international law, at least for a time, I own the rights to that. It's mine. Well, there are countries out there, like China, who are interested in winning and not interested in following the rules. They don't care about international law. They're either going to do corporate espionage of some kind, they're going to do something, and they're just going to get their hands on the technology and copy it. Oh, well, someone should do something. Who's going to do anything? We're not concerned about China. We don't even pretend to be concerned about China as they drop nuclear sub in the water after nuclear sub in the water and do space travel. What are we doing? What are we doing here? Because remember, the next war is coming. Again, I don't know when. Next year, next week, 100 years from now, I don't know. But there is one coming. What are we doing to prepare? Well, we now have a climate czar coming to the Pentagon to make sure the U.S. military is being kind enough to climate change. Are we ready? You know we're not ready. You remember that story just a little bit ago about the submarine? Got in an accident out there? Why is the submarine in an accident in the South China Sea? We didn't, we didn't have any details on it? Yeah. <clears throat> Our submarine ran into an underwater mountain. We have naval vessels catching fire in San Diego ports, billions in damage. We didn't even sound the fire alarm for 10 minutes because our crews are so unprepared for basic Navy things. We are going to lose a major war. And that description I gave you in the beginning about sailors burning to death or drowning, I gave that to you because when the day comes, and you have to, you'll be on your phone, because that's where we get our news now. And you're looking at pictures and videos like, like you've never seen before in your life. And you're sitting there crying into your phone. Understand, everything we're doing now is what's going to cause it. You don't wake up the morning war starts and just, you know what, let's prepare today. Let's, let's take this seriously. You prepare right now. Right now. Those are the stakes of the game. And I mean, look, I'm supposed to bring up this poll. Rasmussen has a poll. 57% of Americans believe Joe Biden is a weaker commander-in-chief than recent presidents. That's up from 43%. And I'm supposed to, I guess that's supposed to make me happy. Woohoo! We're, we're unhappy with Joe Biden. I don't want to be mean or cynical here. Why is that supposed to make me happy? We're stuck with Joe Biden for three more years because people can't do five minutes of research on their own and figure out how he's going to govern? Joe Biden's been an unmitigated disaster. There's no question about that. There's not a single thing he's done that has surprised me. 
Has it surprised you? I doubt it surprised you, but that it's so shocking to so many people tells you all you need to know. Why are you shocked? This is who he is. This is who he was. This is, the na- this is now the National Democratic Party. And now, oh, we're, we don't like him now. Buyer's remorse. Okay, well, I don't know about you. Man, my watch is 2021. We don't get to change him now for three more years. That's the state of things. But we're, we're, in, we're in such a state internationally, they're freaking making fun of our president in Australia. This man needs a retirement home and a warm bowl of soup, not access to the nuclear codes. <laughs> when he's not making a fool of himself misreading auto cues, Biden is making utterly incomprehensible decisions that further weaken the US. He does, and he is, and we're stuck with him now. And remember, China, for all their problems, China at least knows they're in a war and they're going to be in one. We act like we're not. All that's gonna, all that may have made you uncomfortable, but I'm right. We got Congressman Chip Roy coming up next. Now, let me tell you something. On top of everything else going on in the world right now, cybercrime is through the roof. It's inevitable when things get this crazy out there, and home title theft is crushing people. It's crushing people. You don't know you, you don't know you went through it. That's the problem. They go, they grab your home title, which is online. They forge your signature on it. They take a loan out against it. And you don't even know anything happened for two or three months. And you're getting emails like, wait, what? Go to HomeTitleLock.com right now. You might already be a victim of this crime. And at least put in your address and see if you're already a victim. While you're there, sign up. HomeTitleLock.com. We'll be back. Joining me now, as he often does, Republican congressman from the great state of Texas, Chip Roy. First of all, Chip, let's just, just got, let's just get this out of the way. If Republicans actually take back the House, uh, would you please run for speaker? We actually need somebody with some balls in there. Well, look, I, knew, I, I will say this. We need a big swift kick in the pants to Republicans, and, and I can promise you right now, and I'm going to say it right now, the leadership right now is not doing what needs to be done in order to stand up against this crazy radical leftist agenda, and we need a change. Amen. We do. All right. I, I, look, it's, you can't you can't go five seconds without a new scandal taking over the news cycle. And I think people are forgetting, at least, that the Democrats are trying to pass a one, two trillion dollar bill that will fundamentally reshape this country. And now they're trying to do it quietly. I think what is happening with this thing? Well, first of all, remember that what we have on the drawing board is the one point two trillion dollar infrastructure package which is all sorts of garbage in it, Green New Deal stuff, stuff you and I and most Americans would not want to see in there, on top of a handful of roads that might make some sense. Then they've got their massive reconciliation, so-called reconciliation deal, which is a remaking of our entire economy. It was three and a half trillion. Now Manchin keeps calling it 1.5 or six or seven trillion because that's what he's saying he'll do. But yesterday in a press conference, he acknowledged his criticism of the fact that, well, no, all they've done is shorten the timelines it's still a massive takeover of the economy. It would cost trillions more. The fact here is the American people don't understand what's actually happening, which is the Democrats here, with then Republicans not doing everything they need to do to fight it, uh, are trying to take over your entire way of life, your entire economy. And you see the result of that over the last 10 months. Since Trump left, everything has gone to absolute utter hell. We've had a complete destruction, inflation going up, supply chains are destroyed, no security at our border, 
you know, we've got now people walking off the job because of vax mandates, and they're a right to do so. God bless them. I want more of that. Uh, and that's what's standing. But right now, the good news is we're trying to throw sand in the gears, and uh, Democrats are still in disarray. And let's just pray for Virginians to do something intelligent today and vote for Youngkin. Congressman, I, about the, you know what? Actually, I want to play you this little video of Joe Manchin from yesterday because I, I can't decide exactly how I feel about it. This is a recipe for economic crisis. None of us should ever misrepresent to the American people what the real cost of legislation is. While I've worked hard to find a path to compromise, it's obvious compromise is not good enough for a lot of my colleagues in Congress. It's all or nothing. And their position doesn't seem to change unless we agree to everything. Enough is enough. It's time our elected leaders in Washington, all of us, stop playing games with the needs of the American people and holding a critical infrastructure bill hostage. Okay. Infrastructure bill is being held up, a reconciliation bill. I just want to make sure I'm getting clear on this because people are confused. Which one's he fighting against? So what Manchin would tell you is that he would be fine moving the $1.2 trillion infrastructure bill, which, by the way, half of it isn't really infrastructure, massive Green New Deal subsidies, um, additional regulations, all sorts of garbage in it that we wouldn't like. It's the least offensive bill, though, right? The reconciliation bill, which is the takeover of health care, trying to jam Medicare for all through back channels, uh, universal family leave, all sorts of massive child tax credits. Uh, an enormous uh, social welfare state boost. Uh, Manchin is hedging against that and trying to move infrastructure and then saying, oh, look, we'll sit down and talk about reconciliation. Well, God bless him for at least holding against the socialist line coming from Bernie Sanders and AOC. But I don't want to give him or Cinema too much credit because they're advancing garbage legislation and saying that that's the thing that we need to rally around. And then he's going to say, oh, well, uh, you know, don't, it's your way or the highway stuff. You know, my way or the highway is, do you have the constitutional authority to do this? Do we have the money to spend on this? Or should we be leaving this to Texans, the free enterprise, rather than all the garbage that they're trying to push through here in Washington? But I'll give him credit for at least trying to push back against the socialists in his party. You brought up the debt, and I'm glad you do talk about it, because not very many people do, sadly. Uh, the debt situation is approaching ahead, I have to assume, right? At some point in time, we're not going to be able to cover the interest on this thing. No, that's right. I mean, at $30 trillion, right? This is an extraordinary, it's an insane number. And uh, my real concern, Jesse, and I think you'll appreciate this, besides the fact that we're undermining the dollar, we're actually empowering China, we're weakening our economy. The bigger problem is we are borrowing and printing money to fund bureaucrats to screw you, to screw me, to screw the American people with tyranny. We're funding an education establishment that teaches our kids that America's evil. We're funding a DHS to have wide open border. We're funding a court system to make crap up in the Constitution. We're funding a DOD that's more interested in climate theory and woke diversity officers and leaving $85 billion in the hands of the Taliban than they are in actually defending the United States of America. You know what? The hell of that crap. Why are we borrowing money against our kids and our grandkids to fund these bureaucrats to screw you and me? And that's what I think is actually going on, and that's what we should be fighting against. Congressman, I want to play you our Commerce Secretary. I thought this was pretty revealing on just how concerned this administration is with how normal people are living. This isn't something that can be fixed overnight, but the important thing is 
you know, fundamentally, supply chains and logistics are run by the private sector. P you know, people say to me, will Christmas gifts be delivered? To which I say, call FedEx. You know, that, that isn't what the government does. Oh, God, wow. Look at that. All of a sudden, the government doesn't want in private business anymore. That's amazing, Chip. Well, I love how this federal government wants to tell every private business that they've got to force vaccinate their employees. They want to go in and meddle and tell you exactly how you're going to have to uh, uh, deal with all of the regulatory state that they're now trying to cram down the throat. The Green New Deal agenda, which would bankrupt America and cause energy poverty, drive up the prices of gasoline. Oh, wait, are we already seeing that happen? Drive up the price of energy uh, for heating your homes. And then they want to say, oh, private sector, you figure out the supply chain. No, you guys quit, quit screwing up the economy by paying people not to work by bowing down to China, by bowing down to Iran, by funding a pipeline, helping support a pipeline for the Russians, but screwing up a pipeline in America and preventing us from drilling, all while you're trying to chase the unicorn land of solar farms and windmills, rather than actually having affordable, clean American uh, energy, all while the Chinese are producing coal-fired plants because they know how to kick people's butt and not go pursue a radical, woke agenda at the expense of our national security and our economic freedom. I'm worried about what's coming for travel in this country, Congressman. I, I mean, latest airline obviously is American Airlines. Last I checked, I think it was 2,000 flights have been canceled. I'm hearing privately from American Airlines pilots that tomorrow is being dubbed walkout Wednesday. So I don't think that number is about to improve at all. Part of me is pretty happy these people are about to experience pain for their policies. It couldn't happen uh, to a nicer bunch of folks for the airlines to have to eat this when they're the ones that made their own bed. And I mean that. And you know what? American Airlines is headquartered in Texas. Southwest Airlines is headquartered in Texas. I've been a loyal uh, customer of Southwest Airlines. And they got their butt kicked. And they needed to have their butt kicked because they are doing something that no airline that wants to credibly, credibly call itself a independent and you know uh, entrepreneurial airline, which Southwest built its career on. We love LUV, our employee. How about you stand up in defense of your employees? Stand up against tyranny. And American Airlines should do the same thing. And God bless the pilots, and God bless all the employees, and the cops in New York, and the firefighters in New York, and everybody else, the nurses on the front lines, I want all of them. Walk out Wednesdays, whatever you want to call it. You, you, you stick it to these employers who don't have the spine to stand up for you against a government that is tyrannically uh, overstepping its constitutional bounds. Amen. Congressman Chip Roy, thank you, sir. We got Carol Markowitz coming up next, talking about New York and mandates and all this craziness. But let's talk about flipping homes first. Flipping homes. You ever thought about it? Don't lie. I know you've thought about it. I see the ratings of these Flipping Homes TV shows out there. Whoa. I've got good news. FlippingMadeEasy.com. It is your one-stop shop to go from zero to expert at flipping homes. You see, they have experts all over the place with articles and advice on, on things to do, things not to do. They have vendors for you. If you need a plumber, you need an electrician, you need a, a drywall guy, FlippingMadeEasy.com has those in your area. Maybe most importantly, what are the opportunities in your area? You're not an expert. You just watch some TV. What, what do I even buy? What should I look for? 
FlippingMadeEasy.com has the opportunities in your area. Go to FlippingMadeEasy.com and sign up for a Platinum membership. Use the promo code JESSE and it gets you extra something free. FlippingMadeEasy.com, promo code JESSE. We'll be back. Joining me now, my friend Carol Markowitz. She's a columnist with the New York Post. Carol, look, let's begin at the beginning, Bill de Blasio. Now, everybody knows I despise Bill de Blasio probably more than any Not other politician on the planet. <laughs> That's true. Well, you have to live under him. You have to live under him. And now, before we get to all the vaccine mandate stuff, I'm seeing rumors today he's going to run for governor. Carol, please tell me this isn't possible. Um, it's possible he's running. He's for sure running for governor. Uh, I mean, what else has he got going on, right? Um, but I don't think he's going to win. I think there uh, has been a shift since New York City elected him twice as mayor. People realize he's incompetent. Um, even like the communists I know think he's like the worst and can't get anything done. He really has been sort of a unifying force in New York City that everybody just sort of thinks he was one of the, you know, the worst mayors we've ever had and that he has no role in future uh, political office. I mean, just look what happened when he ran for president and he ran the most like anti-Trump campaign, which should have gotten him somewhere in the Democratic Party at that point. And yet he went absolutely nowhere and it was a pathetic flame out. I just don't get why he wants to run. So I live in Park Slope, which is his neighborhood. Um, he is constantly like hanging out outside this like coffee shop or this restaurant in Park Slope. Everybody knows those are his favorite spots. I see him, you know, 2 p.m., middle of the day, just like with his pods in, like hanging out outside, not doing any work, just chilling. Like, I just don't get like, why are you even running for governor? Like, go live your dream. Come back to Park Slope. Hang out outside your, your favorite coffee shop. Enjoy, you know, why, why do we need to put, go through this? Carol, I, I do have to ask, because I have other stuff I wanted to get to, but I, I really, you just made me think of this. He runs for president, he flames out. And yeah. I'm going to be as nice as I can here. You know what a nice person I am, Carol. You're so nice. Setting his, setting his politics aside, mm -hmm. he might be the least likable human being I've ever seen on the planet. Yeah. He just is kind of a nasty, unlikable oaf who you, right. you just, you see the guy and you don't want to be within 20 feet of him. And yet he did get elected to the most important city in the world, in my opinion. Yeah. yeah. How did that happen? So it's interesting because the first race, uh, he was just sort of the leftist um, among a, a field of sort of moderate to left people. Uh, and New York had had Republican or independent leadership for a very, very long time. It had been two terms of Giuliani followed by three terms of Bloomberg. And the Democrats in New York were sort of like, let's take a chance on like a full on socialist. And they did. The second time he ran, he ran his campaign against Donald Trump. Donald Trump was president. He uh, ran an entirely like Trump. You hate Trump? Vote for me. Trump, 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 Trump. Trump for me. And he won. Um, I think in a lot of other situations, there would have been a primary. He would have um, lost. I, I think in a lot of other cases, if Donald Trump wasn't president at that time, Bill de Blasio does not win a second term. But I also, I like that you say he's so super unlikable because as you know, every time anybody says that about a woman, it's sexist. So in the future, I'm going to point to Jesse <laughs> Kelly calling Bill de Blasio like the most unlikable human being in the whole world and show how, you know, it's not just women.
Well, Carol, you know I'm equal opportunity with being rude I to everybody. I, I, I don't yeah. discriminate between men and women. All right, all right. Now, I do have this. Let's get to the task at hand. Here is communist Bill de Blasio today. 92% of the city workforce is now vaccinated as a result of this mandate. The vast majority of our city employees and the vast majority of our firefighters are doing the right thing. But the ones who are playing a game, uh, they're going to have to suffer some consequences because this is unacceptable. Going to have to suffer some consequences, Carol. These people, the way they speak to us now. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's crazy because I think, especially with fire departments, they do so much more than just put out fires. You know, I had a fireman send me this whole thing where, like, if you're choking, if you're if you're stuck in your car, if your cat is in a tree, if you know, if your uh, CO2 alarm goes off, all of this kind of stuff is is firemen. They they come to your rescue. Garbage is piling up all over the city because the sanitation department is under these same mandate rules. Uh, we're losing police at a time where why would anybody in their right mind want to be a police officer in a major city anywhere in America. And we have we're having these losses really unnecessarily because look, you could be for the vaccine and I am um, and still realize that even vaccinated people can spread COVID-19. So these mandates simply make no sense. If they made some iota of sense, I might be on the other side of this. I really would. Um, but it completely does not make medical sense to me to, to mandate a vaccine that you can still spread the virus even if you get the vaccine. So we're, we're really in a dangerous moment in New York City. I think that uh, we're, we're going to feel it very soon. Okay, you mentioned feel it very soon. I'm glad you brought up what's coming because New York, sadly, now leads the way for most of the country. I don't think people understand, Carol, because I'm getting these same emails from NYPD guys and firemen. I don't think people understand exactly what it means when you call 911 and they're just not sending anybody or they tell you it'll be an hour. Hey, hide under your bed and good luck. And that's coming for New York. Yeah, that's absolutely coming. I think, again, the problem is that Bill de Blasio is from an extremely safe part of New York City. He's from Park Slope. We have barely any crime here. Like It's like, oh, somebody's cell phone got stolen, and that's like a week-long story around here. Um, and that's really the problem, that he really doesn't understand that there are areas that count on the support of police. They count on the fire department to be responsive. Um, I, I think he lives in a really rarefied state and thinks that everybody does. And again, we're, we are going to feel it. The other thing is, and you know, I hope to be wrong, but I think New York is heading for a COVID spike. I think we had one last year right around this time. At today, we have more cases than we had a year ago before any of the vaccines came out. And I, th I really do think we're heading for a winter spike in November, December, January, you know, into February like last year. And I wonder what we will have won when we don't have a, a functioning fire department, a police department, sanitation department, and yet we still have these spikes and these mandates will have done nothing. Yeah. All right. My favorite person in the world, and I'm sure she's yours as well, Randy Weingarten, head of the National Teachers Union. She went on TV, and boy, this is a doozy. This is what we tried to do in, you know, to help. You know, one, and a lot of people heard this, is that we tried to actually reopen schools more quickly than almost anybody else. We know in-person learning is really important. I sat on the Cuomo Commission. We put a report out in August, in April of 2020 about the steps to reopen schools and how safety was a vehicle to reopen schools. Carol, I had no idea. I She's mean, been out there leading the charge to reopen schools. 
So it's funny because even if you believe her, so it's a flat out lie because areas that open schools were specifically the areas not under her thumb. Any area where a politician, I always say, you know, it's not that the teachers unions are so strong, it's that the politicians are so weak. So when you have areas where the politicians were stronger and were able to say that to the teachers unions, no, we're opening school, end of story, schools opened up. The areas where schools stayed closed, of course, were under the influence of Randy and the other teachers unions. Um, so, but even if you believe this, even if you believe we tried to open schools, and then what happened? What happened then? You didn't have enough hand sanitizer, there weren't enough masks for you, you didn't have new filtration systems put into every single school across the country. I, I just think the idea that we tried to open schools and failed miserably isn't really that great an argument either, and it's a lie either way. Carol, you have a new piece out in the New York Post. I would encourage everyone to go read it about culture wars. Are they good? Are they bad? I talk about them all the time. I'm all about them, yeah. but I am curious. What say you? Yeah, I, I think the conservatives should lean into the culture war. I think the culture war is absolutely a good thing. I think the idea that, you know, when when uh, Barack Obama says, like, oh, this is just the culture war. Well, yeah, it's the culture war. It's the war over our culture. What's wrong with that? I think what we're seeing right now is a culture war happening around the country where parents have realized what the kids learn in school is a bunch of nonsense. They see that there's no time spent on math, science, social studies, etc. And they see that they're learning this woke nonsense and they don't like it. And it, it, it goes even beyond that they you know with the masking and the gender stuff and uh really a range of things that parents have seen in the last year and are standing up and saying no not my kid and that's the culture war we should absolutely fight it it's a culture worth fighting for carol why doesn't the gop fight it because the, the left loves to fight it they're all yeah. in all the time they never slow down they never back off and these gop weenies can never seem to find the courage to fight it. All you have to do is call them a racist or something, and they'll be hiding under a bed somewhere. It drives me up the wall. Why? Yeah, you're, you're completely right. They're so afraid of being called racist. But what we've seen is that parents aren't. Parents are like, go ahead, call me a racist. I don't care. I, I have lost the ability to care about any of this. I, I think a lot of things that used to shut parents down, like, oh, you don't want to teach critical race theory because you're afraid of teaching about slavery in school. It's, it just washes over them at this point. Like it makes no difference. They, they they are there to defend their kids. I hope the GOP takes a lesson from that. If parents across the country who are way more susceptible to like somebody calling their boss and getting in trouble and like really having their name dragged um, are able to stand up anyway and say this is wrong and I won't stand for it with my kids, that maybe Republican politicians who also have you know a lot less to lose can do the same. I, I really hope they get over it. I hope they understand that the culture war is here, whether they like it or not, and they should be fighting it. Amen. Carol Markowitz, thank you so much. I appreciate you. Yeah. Nice to see you. All right. January 6th, a dangerous coup, the armed insurrection. We're going to talk a little bit about that next, but first... Know what I did last night? Came home. The family's a little sick. Don't worry, nothing serious. Just the basic sniffles and stuff like that. So I got home last night after doing the show, after entertaining the masses, and there was nobody around. Everyone was already in bed. And I was thinking to myself, you know, having a dip right now wouldn't be the end of the world. Turn on a little documentary about the Civil War, doing a little dip. But I didn't. And there was only one reason I didn't because I had Jake's Mint Chew in the house. Jake's Mint Chew, tobacco-free, nicotine-free, it's even sugar-free, 
and I get to have my dip when the whole fam is already asleep and I have a moment alone to put my feet up, only it's not bad for me. If you're trying to quit, you want to quit, get it. If you have a relative or friend who you want them to quit, get them some Jake's Mint Chew. I love the CBD pouches, but they have 11 different flavors of the long cut too, but I love the CBD pouches. Takes that edge off and I get my fix in. Jake'sMintChew.com. Don't forget to use the promo code JESSE though. That gets you 10% off. We'll be back. January 6th, that dangerous insurrection, the coup. And I, I just want to, I want to remind, I want to remind everybody about January 6th, okay? He, he, the, the entire mainstream media sold that day as something that was the end of the world. And not only everyone on the left, 90% of the people on the right that day. Some still to this day talk about how it's the worst thing in the world. Lock these people up forever. I mean, just, just very bizarre stuff. Instead of watching and waiting and trying to figure it out. And I want you to pause before we go into all this. And I want you to think about all the things that have come from January 6th. We still have committees. We have the FBI going after white supremacists. The military, too. It's everywhere. Well... My friend Tucker Carlson, he's an actual real journalist, in case you didn't know. He and his team did real journalism on January 6th and what actually happened. And I was texting with him on Saturday, and I will just tell you, it's not what you think. It's not at all what you think. It's not what you were told. It is really, really bad. Really, really, really bad, only not for the people you think it's bad for. You are being made to look like a domestic terrorist by this government. And you're being made to look like a domestic terrorist by this government so this government can justify crushing you, the political opponent of the ruling power. That's a fact. What I just said is an absolute fact. And you know how I know it's a fact? Because before this documentary even came out, by the way, it's, it's, all, it's, it's got all kinds of documentation in it. These are hard facts. It's not a big opinion show. Before it even came out, the media started freaking out. And before I play you the montage, I just want to, I want you to picture this scenario. I welcome you into my home. You come knock on my door. Jesse, can I come in? Let's eat some cheesesteaks. Sure, come on in. And I invite you into my home. And I'm not saying anything about it, right? You can obviously look around. There's the living room. There's the bathroom. The kitchen's over here. But I make it a point to walk over to a closed door and say, don't look behind this door. Don't you dare open it. No matter what happens, it's important that you don't look behind that door. Doesn't that tell you something? Maybe not something specific, but it definitely tells you something, right? definitely tells you something. I don't need to know every detail about January 6th to know something is awry. All I need to do is watch how the media reacts to somebody actually digging into it. Tucker Carlson has created a terrorist 
recruitment video. Fox TV branching into fantasy programming. A new series from Tucker Carlson traffics and conspiracy theories surrounding the insurrection on January 6th. Tucker Carlson attempting to rewrite history around the January 6th insurrection. Tucker Carlson makes a tribute video to the terrorists. Tucker Carlson is hitting a new low, completely rewriting the history of the Capitol insurrection in a way that defies belief. Tuckums previewed a documentary that goes beyond the usual Daughters of the Confederacy rewrite of the January 6th insurrection to shameless lying and conspiracy monger. Why so worried? I mean, look, I was told, I mean, you just heard it there. It's an insurrection, right? A coup. My goodness, we almost lost America that day. Whoa. If we almost lost America and it was a dangerous insurrection and a coup, I, an American citizen, I think I would want to know the facts behind it. Wouldn't you? Wouldn't that be something that would make you curious? Why are you so insistent that I not look behind the door? Hmm. Something to think about. All right. We got light in the mood. Next. All right, it's time to lighten the mood. And full disclosure, what I'm about to play you is not something you should laugh at, okay? Not something you should laugh at. Be a good person. Here we go. Big salmon, bud. Alicia, come here.